0: From the newsroom of Impact Alpha, I'm Brian Walsh, and this is your Impact Briefing for Friday, July 22nd. Today, I'm joined by Impact Alpha's Jessica Pothering, who wrote a story this week about a startup in Pakistan that went bust and what it tells us about venture funding in frontier markets. Hi, Jessica. Hi,
1: Brian. Great to be back.
0: Look forward to our conversation. But first, here's what you need to know from this week in Impact Investing. Early-stage climate tech investing offers a bright spot amid the impact gloom. U.S. impact policy is in disarray. Venture capital investments are plummeting. The IPO window is shut. And crypto is in a deep freeze. But climate tech investing remains on a tear, at least for now. Climate tech startups raised nearly $19 billion in the first half of 2022, nearly on pace to match last year's record $40 billion in investments. The SEC is revamping the regulatory rulebook around shareholder engagement, again. Two Trump-era rules limited the ability of proxy advisory firms to guide clients' votes in corporate elections. The Securities and Exchange Commission has reversed those rules with a 3-2 to vote. They are also looking to remove barriers shareholders face in bringing ESG-related proposals to a vote. That should make it harder for companies to duck votes on key topics, including climate change. Comments on these proposed SEC rules are due September 12th. In this week's deal news, Pegasus Capital Advisors raised $170 million for its Global Fund for Coral Reefs. The fund is aiming to raise $625 million in blended financing to protect critically threatened coral reefs and vulnerable coastal communities. This would make it one of the largest impact investing initiatives for oceans that we've seen. Cross-Boundary Energy raised $40 million to invest in and develop solar systems for commercial and industrial customers in Africa. And TAE Technologies secured $250 million to build its fusion reactor. You think it's hot outside? The fusion energy startup says it has demonstrated its ability to sustain plasma at temperatures of 75 million degrees Celsius. After years of unfulfilled hopes, fusion technology is finally on course to generate commercial carbon-free energy in the next 10 years or so. Now it's time for our future conversation. I'm joined once again by Impact Alpha's Jessica Pothering. Now, Jessica, you wrote this week about a startup in Pakistan that announced that it was shutting down after raising a pretty substantial amount of VC funding last year. Tell us why this story caught your attention.
1: So Pakistan's startup scene doesn't often get a lot of attention in the global media, but this story made the rounds on the business and tech pubs, and I thought it was important to put in context of what's happening in Pakistan's broader market. So the story is about this company called Airlift. Um, Airlift was originally a communal ride-sharing startup, uh, basically a commuter bus service. And during the pandemic, when people weren't leaving their homes and especially not using mass transit services, the company had to figure out a way to stay relevant. So what it did was the same thing a lot of ride sharing and ride hailing companies did. It pivoted into deliveries. Um, Airlift raised about $85 million last year in a Series B round. And that was a huge deal in the market. Collectively, startups in Pakistan raised only $350 million last year. That was a banner year for Pakistan, but still, it just shows how nascent the startup scene is there in such a large country.
0: There's more than 200 million people living in Pakistan, right?
1: Exactly. It's a big market. But I'll tell you what initially grabbed my attention about this story was the long list of foreign investors who invested in airlift Series B round. There was Y Combinator's former president, one of the original Twitter founders, Bain Capital's chairman, a former Disney CEO, and there were a ton of founders of similar like restaurant and grocery delivery companies in Europe and the US. And so my thinking was, this is a case of foreign investors throwing money into a type of startup that is super familiar to them. Grocery delivery companies were a darling of the VC world last year, but investing in a market that they probably don't really understand.
0: You know, your piece talks about the problems that delivery companies and grocery delivery companies are having right now. So companies all over the world are paring back on their workers and closing down distribution centers just a few months after many of them raised billions of dollars in VC funding. So this feels like a dramatic turn of events, especially from the consumer perspective.
1: Completely. Uh, So just a short, like, personal anecdote. I live in Amsterdam, and I remember being in quarantine in late 2020 before these, like, delivery in minutes companies like GoPuff or Gorillas, here in Europe were so widely available, and I had to get friends to do shopping for me because the mainstream grocery stores here didn't offer next-day delivery. But I mean, otherwise, how often do you urgently need groceries delivered to you in 15 minutes? There was actually a good article in Wired last week that dissected the rise and fall of instant delivery companies, and it breaks down just how tight the margins on these businesses are. They have to have these big urban warehouse footprints. They have to pay delivery drivers no matter the size of the order. They can't bundle orders because they're promising delivery in minutes. I mean, in short, instant delivery companies are cash guzzlers. And now what's happening is that consumers are getting hard hit by inflation. So a service that might have been a necessity during the lockdown isn't worth the premium when you're already spending 20 or 25 percent more on food each week.
0: So uh, is this just a story of Airlift being the most recent online grocery casualty of these broader market forces? Or is there something about the market dynamics in Pakistan that played a unique role here?
1: Airlift's Collapse, you know, has rattled the startup market there for sure. VC is contracting everywhere. It's drying up faster in emerging markets like Pakistan because investors just have this extra risk sensitivity. Um, You know, but the failure of one of the best known startups in the country is definitely having an impact. I reached out um, to Ms. Banakvi, who is a partner at Early Stage Venture Fund I2I Ventures, which is based in Karachi. And her take was... Well, first, that venture capital is inherently risky. Ventures fail, some of them spectacularly. Second, you know, there's a lot of need in a market like Pakistan, where there is broken and fragmented infrastructure of all kinds. Um, Instant groceries are really a convenience and not a need. And when the economy shifts, it's a service that people can frankly do without. On the flip side of that, there are plenty of companies that are continuing to perform and are ripe for investment because they're providing more essential products and services.
0: Uh, so w- what are some examples of essential products and services that are ripe for investment right now?
1: Well, you know, fintechs that are offering services like small business accounting or helping workers manage their spending. There's also, you know, examples in other sectors like healthcare access or farmer services. Just, I mean, to quote MISPA, she said, startups basically that are helping people save money live more efficiently and fulfilling needs that are important.
0: So... Is this a story then about misallocation of capital or is that just the nature of venture capital that you're going to have some unicorns that take off and some bus like airlift? And that's just the the nature of the beast.
1: Yes, I think it's partly a story about the inherent risk and opportunity of venture capital, definitely. But more so, I think this was a case of bandwagonism gone wrong. Um, We're seeing companies like airlift, which globally raised something like $18 billion last year, shrinking and collapsing all over the place. And sure, it's hindsight, but that $18 billion could clearly have been better spent on technologies and services that are solving real problems. Um, Ms. Bett eye to eye noted all of the basic needs in large emerging markets like Pakistan. My colleague Amy Cortese wrote a story this week about the need for growth stage funding in climate tech. It points to the value of long-term thinking even when the immediate opportunities are exciting.
0: I think that's a a good lesson for us all to take. Thank you so much, Jessica, for your reporting on this story. Thanks a lot, Brian. And that's going to do it for this week's Impact Briefing. Thanks again to Jessica Pothering and our producer extraordinaire, Isaac Silk. Subscribe to get full access to Impact Alpha and the daily newsletter, The Brief. Right now, we're offering podcast listeners $100 off their first year subscription. Go to impactalpha.com slash subscribe and use the code briefing 100. I'm Brian Walsh, head of sustainability for the capital markets firm TPICAP. Until next time, take good care.